so we're here. That was a terrible start with it. Uh, um, <laughs> gotta restart. So professional. So we're here with the latest episode of the Philly Dev Night Podcast. We're recording live at the Philly Game Forge. Uh, if you didn't know, the Philly Game Forge is the only place, the only co-working space to make games here in Philly. Uh, so check them out at phillygameforge.com. So I'm Nick with PHL Collective, and this week we're here with a new guest who will introduce himself in a second. My name is Jason Marziani. I, uh, I'm a contract game developer uh, and sometimes designer. Um, I work under the brand Little Wins, um, and my website, website is lilwins.com. Uh, I'm currently contracting uh, full-time with a company called Flyclops. And we mainly build a game called Domino for iOS and Android. All right, that's a good that's a good intro to kind of get into it. Um, so let's take it, I guess, back to the beginning. We usually do, we usually do this with everyone. Sure. Um, how'd you get into making games, programming, the game field, all that stuff? How'd you get into it? So I I. Uh a few years back, um, I was the tech lead at an advertising firm uh, called Red Tedemer and Partners, um, or Red Tedemer, uh, it was Red Tedemer at the time, now it's Red Tedemer, O'Connell and Partners, okay. R-T-O-P. Um, but I worked there for about five years building websites. I'm, I'm you know, out of college, I was uh, an action script developer, <clears throat> and uh, website after website after website after website. Um, eventually, we landed a client, um, Tween Brands, uh, which uh, they have um, retail stores, uh, Shop Justice, um, which I think is the one that's still around. They used to be limited too, which isn't, okay, I know that one. Yeah, isn't around anymore. I see. If you have, well, if you have <laughs> like a thirteen-year-old daughter, you're in this store. They're in most of the malls. Um, they had like eight hundred retail stores at the time when we were working on this. But uh, they came out uh, to us with, um, they wanted to build a game that was basically what um, kids would level up into from like a Club Penguin. Mm-hmm. At the time, Club Penguin was a pretty big property. And uh, they wanted to build something for their audience, uh, which was, you know, tween age girls. Um, so we spent about 16 months building a, a virtual world. With 16, you said? 16 months. 16. Um, around there, uh, about a year and a half. Um Building a virtual world had like three different worlds you can go on to and used um, SmartFox servers, uh, which is a multi, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a multi-client um, server. A um, bunch of Italian dudes write that. And, uh, and yeah, so the whole thing was built in Flash, ActionScript. We had, you know, five different vendors working with us on the project um, in a bunch of different time zones. It was pretty... Awesome. So were you, were you guys like not equipped to make a game or like... Yeah, no, we were totally, I mean, you know, now that we're this far past that yeah. that time, we were totally, had never made a game before. Um, no, nothing at all on that size. And we, we wound up partnering with um, a group in Toronto, uh, Wayne Hellman and, uh, and, and a team up there. And they really were kind of like saviors in a way because okay. they came through in, in a big way and made this whole thing work. Um, and then we found, we also found like design partners to help us with asset production. And we, we built a whole pipeline, much like what you'd see in a, in a social game uh, today. Um, we had, uh, outsourced a lot of our, our assets and, you know, we had a sound designer and come in and composer and that's pretty impressive for like first timers. Like, 
I mean, yeah, you were we, under a big, I guess, a bigger studio, a bigger company. You could yeah. kind of like use their reach to kind of pull these things together. But that's like that's yeah, very I mean, impressive. We, we were no strangers to making big things. Okay, we just never done an interactive project on this level before. All right. And uh, what what drew me to it is that we were building a lot of these a lot of micro games within the game. So the idea was you would come in, um, you know, you would. You, most of the people would come in from a gift card from one of the, the stores, the retail mm-hmm. stores, or some sort of promotion. Uh, they would top off an account, and then they would be able to play games to get virtual currency and then spend it on various customizations. Yeah, like vanity things. Exactly. It was yeah. all vanity stuff, um, all for avatars, and there was chat and the whole thing. Um, so we were working on a lot of these mini games, and... Um, the mini games, some of them um, that I specifically made, uh, were getting a lot of play, a mm. lot of repeated play. And when you're working in advertising on websites, you wind up building this website, and then you spend a ton of money to get people to come to that website. I mean, it's basically just how advertising works. Like any advertising budget, you know, there's a very small amount of money of that budget uh, set aside for the creative, and then. 90% of it is used to buy media. Yeah. And and so it's not super rewarding in that sense of people seeing it because in the back of your head you're always like, yeah, but you know, we kind of either tricked them to get here or, you know, whatever it was. We're paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. So but with the game though, people were playing it and they wanted to play it and it was like the first thing that that I had built that I really kind of valued, mm-hmm. I guess. And uh and so the things were happening there. Uh, what uh, eventually happened with the game is um, we launched it. It got it did very well out of the gate, and like three months later, the uh, client cut the cord on the game because mm-hmm. of the way the economy tanked. It was like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, um, and they refocused all of their efforts on the retail stores, which is you know the right move. Okay. Um, but it was you know it was heartbreaking because we basically were just came into work one day and we're told we're no longer going to work on this project that yeah. we've been working on so long and had to roll on to some other project. And, uh, you know, at the time, uh, iOS and mobile was really starting to gain speed. Yeah. Um, and I just wasn't working on that in, uh, I wasn't working in that space and I wanted to be in that space faster. Um, so I quit and I went independent. Um, and I've been, uh, freelance since then. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like left there and at the end of 2009. Okay. So I, like, didn't, I didn't really quit. I kind of quit. You kind of quit. Kind of quit. We were kind of like... Didn't show up a couple days. No, like. no. Nothing <laughs> like that. I never did that. It was kind of like they were doing these rounds of layoffs just because again, the economy was yeah. really terrible. And uh, on the last round that they did, um, you know, they cut pretty deeply the first two rounds and this was like, you know, a real bad one. So I, I actually offered because I was thinking about it. Yeah. Um, they were offering to keep uh, healthcare through the end of the year for anyone that, that was going to leave. And uh, and I also just went in and told them I was going to keep the laptop too. So I did that. Hey, that's, and they were cool with it. That's cool. Because they were an awesome company. <laughs> um, so like, I'm assuming that you got pretty jazzed that people were playing your mini games or like those are the ones that had the most kind of retention. Did that... Did that like shake loose anything inside you, which you're like, I can do this? Like this, were, were games always a part of your life? Like was that something which was like, I've been playing like games forever, and now I've made something and people like it. Did that kind of like lead you or segue into the next part of your career? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've I've had various relationships with games, and I've always like, 
I always have come back to them. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, you know, I was part of the you know Super Nintendo generation. Um, in college, I actually won a Nintendo sixty four on my second day of college. I, you I won one. I won a Nintendo sixty four. I packed up all of my crap, moved to Boston to go to Boston University from Philadelphia. And on like my second day there, I was in Boston. Um, I think it was Boston Commons. Okay. No, not the Commons. In Government Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a concert. Some band I had, I did not give a crap about. Yeah. Um, you can curse on here. But <laughs> uh, but all of my roommates wanted to. All of my not my roommates, my dorm mates. They mm-hmm. were all going to this concert. So you know, I'm just trying to make friends. So I'm rolling over there with them. And uh, as part of the concert, there were these booths like tents set up and one of the tents had a um like a raffle wheel right and like half of the slots of the raffle wheel were candy and half of them were a raffle ticket so you literally had to win a raffle ticket and i got a raffle ticket and i just happened to put it in my pocket yeah we wind up going uh you know all over the city and we we came back to that spot to go get back on the subway to go home Mm -hmm. and they happened to be announcing the raffle oh nice and so I'm like, hey, wait up, wait up. I actually got a raffle ticket here. Like, let's see this through. And it's, there's a huge crowd of people yeah. waiting to hear this raffle. I mean, there's a ton of people because it was a free concert. And they call out a number. And it's not my number, right? And But as we're trying to get through all these people to the subway, it becomes evident that no one's claiming this prize. And so they go, okay, we're going to call another number. And so I make my friends hold up again. And they call my number. Oh, my God. And so now I've made my way like halfway to the subway. I'm pretty far from this tent. And so I got to walk through all these people who are all just not happy with me. Yeah, I'm holding up my ticket. I'm like, hey. And so I get up to the tent and they have two prizes. One of them is a Star Wars laser tag set, which is awesome. It's like, it's the Han Solo, uh, you know, phaser and you know, a chess piece and two phasers. So and in the dorm, that would have been rad. <laughs> um, but the other prize was a Nintendo 64 okay. with uh, James Bond, with uh, GoldenEye. Classic. And so I immediately grabbed the 64 with GoldenEye. And, uh, and so I have to walk through this audience who all hate me with a 64 GoldenEye edition yeah. to get back on the subway. It's my second day in this city. You're ready to get jumped. Yeah, I have no idea. It turns out Boston's like a crazy fight town, too. Like, yeah. when I was there, I saw some stuff, uh, and yeah. I was very fortunate to make it home to my dorm with this uh, 64. So you, did, you took the Nintendo 64 back to the dorm and... Be yeah, like the king of the dorm, or I, I, I actually couldn't even set up in my room because I didn't have the TV. Oh my god! And so I had to set it up in my in across the hall, and uh, yeah, and we, you know, I two of the dude, the two dudes who in the room that I set it up in, failed out of school that year. They, I mean, they didn't even make it out, okay, because they were playing video games the whole time. So we were over there playing. You know, I made it through. I, did you carry that burden for a while? Did no, no, I didn't feel bad. They fell <laughs> okay. out because they were, you know, they were who they were. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, and then uh, when I got out of college, uh, you know, I came back home and and uh, bonded with uh, a pretty a group that I'm still really close with, and mm-hmm. a lot of that was because of um, Gears of War. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, the whole game shifted, and you know, none of us were actually in the same location anymore. But that actually fit really well with. The way we were all spread out, yeah, you know, and I started making friends with people I'd never met before, mm-hmm. you know, just all through uh, playing Gears. 
And so I've always had this like love of like the bigger game and the, you know, playing with people, mm -hmm. um, especially online, you know, shooting people. Yeah. Um, I hate jumping though. I hate shooting and jumping. So you weren't a fan of like Quake Halo. or any of those? Like Halo. No. I cannot play Halo. Mm -hmm. I am terrible at it. I jump immediately as soon as I'm shot and it just destroys everything. I get lost. I get like motion sickness. It's wow. bad. Yeah. But, okay. uh, but duck and cover. Yeah. Destroy you. Okay. So. All right. So gear. So are you looking forward to... Actually, no, wait, not the new one, but I guess, did you pick up the Anniversary Edition? I didn't pick up the Anniversary Edition. I actually sw just switched over to PlayStation 4. Okay, yeah. And yeah. a lot of that was because I wanted to play um, the Uncharted series. Yeah. And I, I borrowed a PlayStation, played uh, the second one, mm -hmm. and then bought, um, played the third, wait, did I just, I think I just played all three of them. Yeah. So I played the second one, then the third one, then I went back and played the first one. Okay, that's... A little right. weird. And little that weird. experience was like actually pretty cool because, yeah. you know, the second one is, it might be my favorite game that I've ever played. That really? Just in the solo mission. Like, okay. Uh, right. The third one was like way more polished and way more like... It got a little long in the tooth. It the did? Yeah. I it was bigger. Like jumping out of the plane scene. Yeah. And I mean, it was just huge, that set, game. Tons of set pieces, yeah. But I still like feel like the, like, the second one was still... My okay. favorite. Yeah. And then when I went back to play one, you could see how loose the controls were and, and like, but it really gave me this, like, you can make this game and get that fan base going and then like move them into the next one and mm. then move them into the third one and pick up new people along the way mm. and just continue the like the story and make it better and better and better and like really grow yourself as like a company. Yeah. Um, it's so. interesting how they even branched. I mean, we're getting on top of it, but it's interesting how they even branched into The Last of Us. Like, taking a lot of the foundations they built in Uncharted and then applying it to a different game that has different controls, different mechanics, different everything. But, like, you can still see the core still within. Totally. The, yeah, totally. It carries over. And, as, and so I switched over to a PlayStation 4 um, to play, to get Last of Us, to play the remastered version. So. I keep talking about, we're going to have, like, a roundtable discussion about that game because it is my favorite game of all time. Yeah. I've played it three times through. Yeah, it was it's, one of the, the first games I've ever played where I was like, I could immediately just go back and play this again. Like, yeah. that when I first played that game, um, I mean, I was just, like, hooked. And then the end of it was, like, someone punched me in the throat. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, that, what? And then I played it again. And then I played it again, like, three months ago. And it's just, it's, it's a marvelous game. Yeah. You can't see me on the podcast, but I'm nodding my head the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm even playing all the DLC for it. It comes with a remaster version, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm kind of got distracted by Rocket League. Yeah, a lot of people have. Yeah, yeah but uh, okay. I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. <laughs> um, okay, so you got back to Philly. You were playing Gears. Were you still? I mean, obviously you were working for the advertising company, mm -hmm. right? So when did you, I guess, form or label yourself as Little Wins and kind of start making your own stuff? Yeah, so when, when I left in 2009, I decided, you know, uh, I wanted to work in games and I wanted to be working in games full-time, um, which is really difficult to do in Philadelphia um, just because there's no larger studios that are feeding smaller studios. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, but it was one of those things where it was just with mobile and the way that that was exploding, like I knew there would be work in the space um, and I had a whole network of advertising professionals that I had worked with. When you work in advertising for five years, the turnover rate is so quick for people that, you know, within five years I had a massive network. Um, and I was getting work 
from them and some of it was game related um and then you know i'm, I'm always working on a side project you know i'm always doing something um sometimes that gets out into the wild most of the time it doesn't mm -hmm. um what was the first thing that got out into the wild that i worked on solo on my own yeah uh it was probably i did um the 2013 global game jam mm -hmm. or maybe it was two, 2014 okay. it was a while ago um and uh, I made this uh, game where uh, you uh, you listen to audio cues on um, on your iPhone, and uh, and there's a real rudimentary interface for it. Um, but you you play while you're waiting for public transportation, and you make eye contact. The, the game mechanic is you make eye contact with people, and then you have to hold it until they look away, mm. um, which is really difficult to do, especially in that setting because. You know, it's all strangers down there. Everyone's, they're not on edge, but it's like, you know. It's a little awkward. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely an awkward place to be doing that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so and the I, game was called Soul Fill. Game was called Soul Fill. Um, wrote it, uh, wrote it in Twine, and then brought it in, uh, built it in Objective-C, and used um, iOS, uh, which was fairly new at the time, um, used their accessibility features. They had just, uh, they just kind of put out into the public an API where you could, um, you could do machine voice um, through text um, and have it basically read back. Mm -hmm. um, so I used that API, which was kind of cool because it was like something new that hadn't been out there yet. And, um, and so the whole thing's dynamic. I mean, the whole game is like, you know, it's a very small footprint because there's no actual audio files mm -hmm. um, except for the background sounds that I added in later. Um, but so I released that. Um, it kind of sat dormant for a while. And uh, on a whim, I, I submitted it to Indiecade. And then, you know, a couple months later, they responded that I made it into the festival, which is pretty crazy. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. I mean, it's, um, the festival is, uh, you know, it's, a, it's not big at all, um, but they get a ton of submissions for it. Um, so just to be in there was pretty incredible. And then uh, I actually won the Interaction Award um, at the fest, which totally blew me away because mm -hmm. um, they had a... You know, you're sitting in this auditorium with all these incredible game developers and designers and musicians and writers and just people that are like know what they're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, I I know what I'm talking about, but being in Philadelphia and not being around big studios and um, not having like a huge scene here, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the confidence is a little low. You okay. know. Like it's, it's not, do you feel like you weren't like a real game person sitting there? Like, it wasn't that I wasn't a real game person, but it was just like, man, it was my first time there. Like yeah. I hadn't been there, you know, the prior year, you know? Um, so it was just, it was a little intimidating just to start with, but I, we were there, there was actually three of us from the game forge represented there. Mm -hmm. Um, Andre Marks was there with, um, elbow room, mm -hmm. which is a game he's been working on with Will and Dane. Um, of Cypher Prime, and then uh, Sean uh, Pierre was there with his um, his move controller game, Hanka, Hanka Twist, Twist Caper. Caper, which is an amazing game. But all three of us were nominated. I mean, there's like thirty some games in this thing, and three of us came out of this space, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty incredible. And then uh, to win, you know, it was just I got up on stage and I'm shaking <laughs> uh, Frank Lance's hand and. Um, it was just cool, the whole experience. And then I sat in a room, a massive fire hall for three days, showing the game to people. And it turned out that the game was actually really playable in that space too. Mm -hmm. um, so, and people were, 
kind of blown away a little bit by it just because it's, it's, you don't expect it. Mm. You know, it's just this little game. There's no graphics. But as soon as you put it in, you start playing it, it, it becomes like a really crazy experience. Okay. Um, so that's the first thing I put out there. Um, and it's, it, it's done pretty well. Um, you know, the download numbers are, are fairly low just because it's not that kind of game. Mm. Um, but the people that play it, like the feedback I've gotten from people has is, is gotten me like, keeps me going. You know? Okay. So where'd you get the idea for Soulfill? So the idea for the game, it kind of came from a roundabout way. Um, I had done a game jam previously of a digital game um, where it was a four-player game and you run around on the screen um, and it's kind of in a 2D space. And if your character was facing another character and you guys met eyes... Mm. Um, if they were facing you, you would shoot that character and they would die. It was pretty much like instantly dead. Mm -hmm. So you'd run around on this map and you'd, you'd try and look at people and get them to look at you, but you would not want to look at someone who was already looking at you. Okay. Little weird. Um, but I already kind of had this notion of like eye contact and there being a mechanic there in my head. And then when the global game jam came up, I knew I wanted to, I wanted to work alone um, which I often do. Um, and I wanted to do some writing. Um, mm -hmm. In college, I, I almost became, I almost went out to LA and became a screenwriter. Okay. Um, and I, I studied a lot of that in school, did a lot of digital editing and a lot of screenwriting. Um, and uh, so I wanted to get back and I've been trying to get back into writing uh, for a while now. Um, and so I knew at the game jam I wanted to write. Um, and I, but I wasn't coming up with anything on Friday night. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what the Global Game Jam is, it's basically you show up on Friday and you have till Sunday afternoon to present a game that you've made. Yeah. Um, and it's a very intense process. A lot of swearing and sweating and whiskey and um, self-doubt and elation. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I was riding the subway home. I decided to go home to sleep and shower and kind of refocus on the next morning and um, I started kind of playing the digital game I had made on the subway and, and looking at people and really observing, basically just trying to give, have someone give me a story okay. that I can write about. Right. And as I'm looking at people, I'm realizing no one wants to look at me. <laughs> and so I started forcing it a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, it, with, it was very quick. It was one of those things where like, you know, we've all been in that position where we've tried to like fabricate ideas and trying like force ideas and like brainstorm like ideas and sometimes you come up with really good stuff that way um but i i feel like like the really really good ideas they like you don't come up with them they just kind of present themselves to you right and you're just there to like kind of hold on and make sure that you've written down everything that it's presented to yeah. you the hopes that like when that good idea does float by you you're like oh shit grab it right. and then like mold it and use it and for just what and it just, is. Do, like, it just yeah. do it justice just do it justice and so that's kind of where that came from. Um, and uh, so I wrote frantically for the next few days and, and coded. It wasn't a whole lot of coding that needed, but it's still such a short amount of time mm. that it was still kind of panic-inducing. And uh, But yeah, submitted it. Um, I made a couple revisions and submitted it right before Indiecade, um, which I was glad I did because it got some recognition there. And then, yeah. Uh, I haven't touched it since then. It's one of those things that I keep meaning to come back to because it... it it's not the best of games. Mm -hmm. It's a really great experience, but as a game, it's definitely flawed. Sure. I um, mean, like any creator, you want to come back to that thing you've 
constantly keep Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to do, like, like, spend a bunch of time on it and make it something bigger and, you yeah. know, I, can, I see a whole lot of different ways it can go, but, right. you know. Well, I mean, in addition to Indicate, you were up for the Philly Geek Awards Game of the Year. You were a nominee. Along right, with, along with, with you. With our game, and yeah. And Cluster Puck. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, we were both losers. We were. We were. <laughs> we both, uh, we shed tears in the lobby afterwards <laughs> together. Um, no, that was a cool experience, too. I, yeah. I never, uh, that thing is, that show has been around for, like, five years five now. Years, yeah. yeah. And uh, never been to it, but never been nominated, so that was pretty rad. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you feel that with your next game, you have to, like, live up to the amount of, like, notoriety? Like, are you under the gun? Like, So, this is a story I've only told a few people, but yes. Like, yeah. the answer to that is yes. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't let that control what I'm making. Right. Like, but what, there's pressure there. I mean, there's self-imposed pressure, right? For sure. Okay. Uh, but there's, it's definitely, you know, my approach to this next, next thing I'm doing is just, it's going to be what it's going to be. Mm. People are going to like it and they're not going to like it, but I have a general plan of what it's going to be and how it's going to work. Mm. Um, and hopefully it works out. Okay. So um, we were ta- I guess we were talking a little bit before about the idea, right? The right. Thing. Um, and not to spoil anything, but you're working on something Basically, else. Basically, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a piece of fiction that lies somewhere between, um, you know, something you'd sit down and read and something you'd sit down and play. Okay. Um, I don't want to call it uh, IF or interactive fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that categorizes it you know, incorrectly for what it is. Okay. Because, um, again, I'm, I'm, it's somewhere more in between... You know what the the ideas you'd find in IF, um, and the ideas you'd find in like a blockbuster movie is basically what I'm gunning for. Okay. Um, so, so that's what it is. It's going to be a lot of words on a screen. Mm-hmm. You're going to read it and play through. I'm doing my best to, you know, make sure there's things like player agency, um, you know, and all the other hot topics uh, right now that are going on with you know decision-based games like any of the Telltale series or you know some of the other I've played some really cool mobile stuff recently mm-hmm. um, that uh, is is text-driven but you should you know. check out have you or are you playing Until Dawn have you played? I haven't that's all on my list you should, Until you Dawn should. is you yeah it's definitely on there I've been reading a lot about it actually um, uh, the one I'm, I'm I fell in love with playing was uh, I think it's Lifeline. Let me look this up on my phone real quick. Lifeline. Wait, the PS2 game? No, no, no. Okay, because that was wrong. a terrible game. No, it's called Lifeline. Yeah, Lifeline on on iOS. On iOS it might okay. be on Android. Basically, it's a little. Um, if, if you ever read The Martian, it's um, they're making it into a movie. Um, oh, is it the, the Matt Damon? The thing? Matt Damon yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. So that's a book. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This right. is kind of like a game that's you know I, they're not related at all, but mm. it's, it's a game of that genre. Like it's okay. basically a guy who he um, he hits you up uh, from Mars, and you basically are playing it as a conversation between you and this guy, or he might be on Mars, he might be just on a random okay. planet. Um, but it's a pretty rad little piece of of a uh, game, and uh, and so there's a lot of these little things coming out now that. Um, that I think, you know, are awesome and I want to be a part of that experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's also nice that it's just, like, I can write. Um, you, you're blending your your passions together. Yeah, the thing, you, you know, know I, I like writing. It's something I enjoy doing. So if I'm going to work on something uh, in my spare time and try and, uh, you know, put a product out there that has some sort of commercial success, you know, I want it to be something that I, I 
proud of, you know, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to just make like a match three and put it out there and have to live with that, you yeah. know, live with that game. Right. So, so do you have a timeline for this thing? Like, yeah, so I started it, um, I had a, a recently had a baby in, uh, in May. I didn't, my wife had a baby. Okay. All right. Um, just to clarify, Thanks for clearing that just up. to clarify. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and so I had a little time off with, um, uh, maternity leave or paternity leave. Um, and so I started working on this project then. The, uh, this is my second child. The first time I had a child, I took, uh, I took time off and learned unity. Mm-hmm. It was literally like, I took a month and just learned unity. I had the time. I was up, you know, till two in the morning every night waiting for a feeding. So right. I was just, you know, Do what I did. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and changed my career that way. And so when we were going into, you know, this one, I knew I was going to have some time off. I was trying to figure out, you know, what should I do with that time? So I know, you know, I didn't want to be unproductive with it, mm. you know, besides, you know, the productivity of raising a, of raising a, child. Raising a person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, besides that. Sure. Uh, and so this was the project I decided to do and to get back a little bit into writing. So I started it in, uh, she was born on May 20th. Um, started it, you know, right around there um, and have been going on it since then. Um, you know, I'm obviously working full time now I'm back. Uh, and so the amount of time I have to work on it is like very small. Like mm-hmm. I have about maybe one to three hours on a really productive night to work on it at night. Um, so the going is a little bit slow, but fortunately it's just writing. I'm not trying to do, right. you know, graphics and a ton of other assets on top of it. I'm just trying to write it and tell the good story and make sure, you know, it feels good to play it. And, okay. Um, so I'm getting there. Uh, I'm really hoping to have it up for, um, at the least, be up for the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always been a goal of mine. Every year I'm like, why don't I have something up for the holiday season? Uh, and every year it comes and goes. And you know, um, and I do have things up in some way or another. But it's fashion. not my right. thing. You know, yeah. you know Domino's been in the... I was going to say, let's talk so, about some of the other stuff. Like, trans- I mean, that's a good kind of segue into the other part of your life. Yeah, I mean, being a contractor, right? Yeah, so the contracting, contracting has been awesome. Uh, You know, I've kind of settled in at a place. I've been there since last March. So I've been there almost a year and a half now. Um, And we've been making uh, Domino. Uh, It's just Domino's, literally Domino's. Uh, In my opinion, it's the best Domino's game out there. There aren't a ton, but this one's super polished. We've got a huge player base that, you know, we're thankful for. Um, And we listen to and we... You know, we, we continue to push updates um, and, and continue to shape the game. Um, since I've been there, we've, they were a iOS-based game. Um, we've launched on Android, switched over to Unity. We put in a synchronous mode that is live gameplay, um, which we're continuing to push on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we put in, uh, you know, various forms of in-app purchase, which we're continuing to push on. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing experience. I mean, when you're working in advertising and just in client services in general, you usually work on a project and then you launch the project and then you go your separate way. And there's something pretty magical about that too. It's nice, but you know, you did your thing and now it's time to like decompress, get away from that. But I've been doing that for, since I left college, like I've been doing that for 15 years and I decided this move, the opportunity was there to come on with these guys and. And um, and see what the product process is like, and actually, you know, owning a product and how that changes development, and how that changes strategies, and yeah, it turns out, 
you know, things take way longer than, you know, I'm used to because you have to care a lot more about how things are made so that, you know, a year from now we're not, you know, looking at code and going, like, why did we do that? You know, we still do a little bit of that, but, right. you know, at least we can read it, you know. Okay. Um, so the whole the whole experience has been really awesome. Um, before that, I um, the, the other last big game I worked on um, was a chemistry game, actually, which was pretty awesome. Um, I work with a company called Blue Cadet up in Fishtown. Another Philly, yeah. Yeah, another, another Philly, Philly guys. They do amazing, amazing work, um, really beautiful designs, and a lot of touchscreen work, a lot of really um, uh, tactile, digital work. Mm -hmm. um, so we made an iPad, iPad game for the Chemistry Heritage Foundation, um, launched it, and it like went bananas in Russia. Interesting. Like, yeah, like half a million downloads in the first month. In, was it a mobile game? In Russia, yeah, it was just iPad only. Um, iPad only. Yeah, so it's it's strangely enough we hit on a market uh, that's uh, you know in Russia the, the iPad owners the correlate chemistry market correlate heavily with the science and chemistry genre. Yeah, and it just I think from the people I've talked to, uh, a lot of that's just because iPads are extremely expensive in Russia. So you're talking about you know college educated Russians. Yeah. And most of the colleges and studies in Russia revolve around chemistry. I mean, I used to work there. I worked with a lot of this. A lot of our programmers in Russia were. I mean, we actually had a, we actually had a rocket scientist working for us. It was programming games. Yeah. Like, and you are right. Like, like iPads are hard to come by. Yeah. And if you do come by one, and so it's just it, the correlation was dead on. Yeah. And it's just it was funny to watch because we you know it started out you know we had twenty thousand and seventy thousand yeah. downloads and anyone who's made a game and knows when you put a game up. And you don't promote it at all. Um, you just kind of let it naturally do its thing. You mm. might get like 10,000 downloads. Yeah. Maybe less than that just naturally for something that's free. Mm -hmm. But when we're seeing, you know, 70,000 in Russia, we th I thought we were getting hacked. Like I yeah. thought, you know, someone was just like screwing with us. But no, it was all legit. And uh, it's pretty crazy. That's pretty it just, nuts. It's still like kind of going bonkers there. Okay. We joke around that we're going to be a Jeopardy question in Russia in like 20 years. So, which will be awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, all in Unity. I modeled about 80 different um, elemental uh, chemistry reactions mm -hmm. uh, with the particle system in Unity, which was pretty fun. Um, basically, just watching YouTube videos of things blowing up all day. Oh, you actually did the modeling straight in Unity, too? Yeah, well, it was all the particle system. Okay. So particle. we okay. basically, like, we I started building the systems, and I'd watch these YouTube videos of these reactions, and then I'd come in and, and model gotcha. them okay. as best I could. Model, not 3D model. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah, damn, no. like, damn did you model But I'm tweaking all the knobs, and, you know, making the colors, <laughs> and making sure the particle size and the explosion was correct, yeah. and yeah. layering out different things that happened during the explosions. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's called a... Um, uh, Chemcrafter, if you want to watch explosions. Chemcrafter. They're pretty fun. Very yeah. cool. Um, so has working with, I guess, these other companies, have you learned any lessons or have, have they influenced you in your solo work? Like, have you learned processes or, like, things that kind of have helped you from Soulfill to now to the future, like, kind of do things differently? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think overall... Um, you know, the freelancing is one thing when you're working on projects and releasing them and you have tight timelines and, you know, tight budgets. And mm -hmm. so you're doing things a certain way to get things done. Mm -hmm. um, 
working on the product side, uh, the process has been a lot different. Um, from, you know, we have more of a pipeline of how we write code to what happens to the code after we write it. You know, we have like a whole peer review system and, um, and that, and, and basically we're trying to minimize anything that gets into the code that could cause problems. Um, we have a whole vendor that does all our testing. So there's a pr process for plugging everything into that system, mm -hmm. getting it back, doing tickets. You know, we're very formal about what we're doing. Even, even as a small team. Yeah. Um, and it, you have to be because you have to be really meticulous uh, when you're working uh, with product and, and uh, something that you're putting out in the public that has to last and has to also, it, it gets hammered. I mean, we have, we, uh, I think the last tally was up north of 60,000 games created a day. Mm -hmm. um, so our servers get hammered, you know, the app, the client itself gets hammered and it's got to stand up to all that. Yeah. Um, so we, we put a lot of care into process and on the, on my side, you know, I, you know, I've learned to look at that also as, you know, an important thing just in my solo work, making sure that I'm pretty meticulous with how I'm writing things and using the right design patterns when I'm developing. Mm -hmm. And even from, you know, a writing standpoint, you know, it's, I, I found that I need to put process there too. And I need to, you know, I can't just like blah out a whole ton of stuff onto a page, you know, I can do that, but I, I need to go back and make sure that, you know, I have everything outlined, the outline's clean, the outline's correct, mm -hmm. um, the outline gets revised and there's version control behind that yeah. and, you know, making sure like stuff's done correctly. Um, so okay. I'm not sure if that answers the question. I mean, it does. It's, you know, there's some sort of like bigger team processes that kind of translate to single guy team you know yeah, or single guy making a game and, and you're, you're kind of on your own to, to decide and, yeah it's yeah, important to know it's, it's, it's important to like make the right correct decisions there's also you know what I have learned especially doing game jams is scope is such a you know incredibly challenging thing um, and it's really easy to have these grandiose visions of what you can do and then mm -hmm. when you start to do them your visions wind up not being there and if you're working alone uh, it's easy. It's really easy to abandon yeah. projects, um, especially and when you've sunk time to that. That's just investments that you're letting fly out. And I've learned to kind of control the urges to make things more than what I can do on my own. Mm. Um, and I'd love to collaborate. Um, I just haven't figured out what that means. Mm -hmm. um, my time constraint with two kids now is a lot different than it was when I was younger. Sure. So I kind of I tend to do my own thing because. You know, it wouldn't really be fair for me to get someone else involved in my yeah. situation. Yeah, know? it fits within what you know your means of work, your means of life. If it's if it's into that, right, right. And so that's that's kind of the direction I'm going with. So, um, are there any other projects you're thinking about doing, or like anything else that's kind of swimming around in your head that, I mean, you don't have to talk about, but not really I've been uh, surprisingly focused on this thing um, usually by now I am distracted by okay. another idea that yeah. pops up and I need to start like tinkering around with that but uh, but now I've been able to this has been um, engaging enough for me on a personal level that I've been able to maintain my focus and keep going with it and it's not it's not so big that I'm worried about finishing that execution like I yeah. know it's it's there it's on the horizon for me okay um, so the idea that I'm, I'm running with is that if I, you know, I'm going to try and put together this story, it's going to come out uh, 
in at least three parts, three separate apps, um, each uh, at a, a price point. Um, and the idea is to start people on one and move them through, mm-hmm. you know, and see if I can kind of, if I can get um, a little bit of motion there. Okay. Um, I've never done paid downloads, which is interesting. I've done like Sorry, every I, other pricing a premium. Model. Air premium. quotes. I, I did air quotes. I'm, I'm calling it premium, but I'll premium probably, it'll probably be like three dollars. Like basically, yeah. I'm 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 gonna price it around what I would self, like a self-published novel would be priced at, like an ebook kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because I think like time-wise, it'll be about the same value, mm. um, and the same duration, and so that's where I'm kind of like scoping in out. Okay. Um, most of the other work I do is, it's either advertising based, which is what Domino is. Um, or it's, uh, I, you know, cause I've done so much client work, um, it's paid for upfront by client mm-hmm. and then the client owns the property, um, and they're free to mark, you know, market it however they want with whatever price point they want. Usually they just put it up for free cause it's a form of advertising. Yeah. So they've used their advertising budget to, to create this thing yeah. that then is the vehicle for whatever message they're trying to get across. Right. Um, so I've worked with, uh, those different and know a ton about those different, um, ways to go about generating revenue. Mm-hmm. This is a new form for me, um, but what I wanted to do was make it a little bit more passive. Um, advertising in-app is actually very uh, um, intensive in terms of the amount of time it requires to maintain and uh, and uh, maximize. Sure, yeah. Um, and that wasn't going to fit with the amount of time that I have to devote to the project. So it makes more sense for me to do something that is has a price point. Yeah. You know, once I'm a couple in, the first one might drop in price, might become free as like a vehicle to push people uh, into the next like, ones. So you mentioned Telltale. That's, yeah. That's the you way know, they, they rope you in with the free first episode. You get the first episode, and then you gotta you gotta get this. Hopefully, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of drop off there, but yeah. you know, if you're converting 10 to 20 percent of an audience to a higher price point, that's a good day. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if it works. It's kind of an experiment. The whole thing's kind of an experiment, but uh, right. Yeah. Maybe okay. we'll do this again uh, next year and uh, yeah. hopefully I'll have some good results for you. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be interviewing me. There you Is go. Is that what yeah. happens? Is the role reversed? Yeah. Well, someone's going <laughs> to interview you soon about... Uh, I think Will's going to do it next week because oh, yeah. Clusterfuck comes out on Xbox One and Will's... Right. So you need to be interviewed. We're going to swap. Yeah. Swap. That'll be awesome. If he doesn't do it, I'll do it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I can't believe I didn't even ask you this, but this just came to me now. Um, I mean, you're talking about screenwriting and interactive writing and... Who are some of the writers that influence you? What do you, I mean, some what have you been reading? Oh man, that's a good question. What have, what have you been reading or what, you know, who are the guys that kind of like, that you look up to? Ah, uh, man. So, uh, you know, I love the Coen brothers. I used to, I got into screenwriting because I used to go to the mall when I was in, in high school and I, and there was a vendor there that had comic books. And then one day he started showing up with screenplays that he had, he had printed out. I guess he had like an early version of the internet. Yeah. And, uh, and so he had him, he sold them to me for like two, three bucks each. And I would just start buying them and reading them. And so I was reading like Seinfeld scripts. I was reading like, (laughs) like Coen brothers, you know, I was reading, um, uh, just all sorts of different movies and all sorts of different genres. You know, Jacob's Ladder is one of my favorite ones. Um, uh, um, Blade Runner obviously is one of my favorite screenplays, um, and so that's why I, I was into that in college, too, and I got into it. Um, in terms of, like, novels and books, yeah, I just, I just finished The Martian, 
It's mm-hmm. one of the first books I've ever read where the movie's coming out and I beat the movie oh, nice. release, which I'm pretty excited about because okay. I'm not a huge reader. I like, you know, that part of reading screenplays is because it's not novel length, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but The Martian was amazing. It was uh, the level of research that went into that thing. It was just incredible. And basically, if you when I, I've read interviews with the guy, and he, he basically set out to solve all the problems ahead of time and he wrote the novel around the solutions that he came up with to all the different problems that would happen while you're on mars yeah it was like it was crazy i mean it's just the preparation and the research for that novel uh impressed the hell out of me and that's kind of you know right it's not only like having the idea to i'm like i'm gonna tell this story but like no shit now i gotta research the science behind it yeah i mean this and thing was figure like, it all out so yeah. it makes sense and when you start <laughs> reading about writing research is like it's what everyone stresses and mm-hmm. a lot of the diet a lot of people like when you start writing they say write what you know yeah but eventually that that starts to evolve into write what you've researched the heck out of um and what and that's what you wind up you know, where your stories really lies in that research and finding the details in the research that you can pull out and use that so that people are getting a more robust story. It's not just this, like, I'm talking to you, writing this down. It's like, I've actually have all this information that I can make something really deep. Right. So when you were writing screenplays, you know, it's a tough format because the format is incredibly stripped down and it's, it's, you're just trying to paint a picture in someone's head and, and using the, the minimal amount of words to do that. Like, do you still adhere to, like, what is it, a page a minute kind of thing? Like, I mean, that's, that's the idea of what yeah. it comes out to. And there's, like, a certain proportions where you do, like, you know, your initial, like, third, your middle third, your yeah. end third, mm-hmm. and your, your resolution and all that stuff. Um, those aren't, like, hard line numbers or anything, but... Um, but yeah, the the process of writing is, is a lot different than well, I imagine how you'd write a novel because um, you have to you have so much so little time to be able to like give the pieces. Um, so when I, I you know so when I'm writing in that genre, um, you know I I try and be researched. I try and be um, you know succinct with what I'm writing. Yeah. I don't use a lot of like verbose descriptions for things. Like I've I've read I made it through two of the. Um, of uh, the uh, Game of Thrones books, mm. and they're just they're too much. They're too deep for me. Like I can't, I can't take that much. Like not talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean that's you know it's kind of that. I don't know. That that's that funny. Topic, I mean, but. I mean, I I haven't written. Well, I mean, I've written one thing professionally, but it was uncredited, and it was really terrible. I'm kind of glad it wasn't uncredited. It was. Um, we had the script writers who wrote Assassin's Creed write one of our games at our old company. We fired them, and then me and my boss took over writing. Oh, awesome! Uh, so our game was a third-person game, and our publisher was like, "Basically, make Gears of War." And if you know okay, what I've made, you sure. know exactly what game I'm talking about. But I'm not going to mention. Um, so basically, like I studied, did my research with Gears, mm-hmm. and wrote a really terrible co-op third-person shooter about broy stuff with my boss. And writing a game, I'm just listening to you talk about like writing a novel and sticking to rules and also not sticking to rules because it makes things more interesting. But if you've ever written a game script, there are so many goddamn rules mm-hmm. because you're not only just writing, but you're working with your scripters and all the other people to make sure that pacing is maintained and all this stuff is maintained. And like there's minute to minute gameplay and there's 
dialogue to fill in those minutes and there's yep. exposition for all this stuff and it's it's it, it's just it's interesting to me how many different forms there are or different ways there are to get that story told in all these different mediums and each one is radically different yeah you know totally it's, totally and it's, and it's been interesting trying to like like cross over to game writing because like there's so many things like game writing needs to feel like really organic. Mm -hmm. So like you write one thing and then you write 10 other variations of it that could get plugged in. Um, and so like, I'm trying to explore that too and what that's like to write that stuff and, and make it actually interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's the toughest thing. I mean, you write the one line, and you're like, all right, well, like this is a great idols. line, and yeah. you write the next one, and you're like, this one's shit, and you're like, how are we gonna possibly like, how can I swap this one for this one? Yeah. You're like, ah, you're like, what happens to the player idols for like five seconds? The, the character's gonna say something. Yeah, or like you write a description for an environment, and your your environment team is like, we can't build that. That's yeah. not a real thing. We yeah. can't do that. You know, yeah. it's a whole. Oh god. It's, yeah, I'm excited. Well, I don't have to deal with some of that stuff. Yeah, but right. yeah, like uh, I've been, and I've been running into that as I've been like kind of layering gameplay into this game. Yeah. You know, when you as soon as you start giving choices, you kind of got to give that choice of like do nothing. Yeah, you know, there almost has to be that do nothing choice at times, um, and just let things play out a little bit. Yeah, and as soon as you add that specific do nothing choice in there, it just it breaks a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> it breaks so much stuff because you just want to keep pushing action forward you right. want to keep pushing forward and pushing forward and as soon as you have to give that like no no we're just gonna chill here for Let a the second player yeah figures thing out yeah no and then it yeah so that's really funny yeah the last question i ask people on the podcast is sort of this million dollar question um i'm a publisher i have bags of money and unlimited funds yeah i've seen the things that you yes. done. yeah like let's do this have all of my bags in money. Have mm-hmm. everything I have. Mm-hmm. Make me something fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. What would you make? What would I make? That's that's a good question, man. That's a good question. I mean, the initial thing I would say is like something huge, like on like the Gears of War, Uncharted, or you know, now it's almost like you can't find someone not working on like a like a third person battle arena shooter type thing you know and they all look amazing but they're all kind of like which one is that yeah you know so that's not i'm not gonna go that direction okay um i could say let's make an amazing card game board game because we both just got beaten out by a card (laughs) game at the geek awards by uh Uh, jason tagmeyer and uh so we could do that but you know what not gonna do that either um yeah, I don't know. You know, the things, the thing that I see, and the thing, one of the things I really like about making games is watching people play them and getting that feedback. And uh, at Indicate, they have a lot of games that are real world games and, you know, games that are just like these big games with, you know, 20 people and, you know, they're playing a the game right there and there. And, and, like, I love that stuff. Um, so I don't know how to spend all your money making a, a real world live huge game where, mm-hmm. but but I would start there like maybe we use to, the money to buy a big space. That maybe you this is what I'll do. Okay, I'll go to like Puerto Rico and design it, and then I'll come back so that hey, I that works. spent some money. So you're gonna set up your studio in Puerto yeah. Rico on the beach and yeah, assuming. yeah. And if you could see me through this podcast, you notice I am like the most not tanning Irishman 
that has lived. I don't even have any hair to protect my skin either. So it's just, it's, I'm kind of like a freckled red thing at all times in the summer. Uh, but yeah, I like the beach. I love the beach. That's the end goal. The end goal is to have a place where I wake up and walk out onto like a balcony and have coffee and look at the ocean. Okay. That's what I'm going for. So you can use my money to get that. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Per, so then, the semi-permanent vacation. This game's gonna be rad. This but you're gonna, gonna make something eventually. This game, this game will be rad. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I like seeing people play and and yeah. uh, you know and that space is I think um, as we all kind of you know that was one of the things I tried to do with Sofo was make a game that's that's somewhere in a crossover there of, of mobile and real world. Mm-hmm. You know, and as as you know things become more interesting in mobile and, you know, VR. And I think VR is going to turn into some other stuff. And it's, yeah, it's really interesting. I think it's kind of shaken out each person. Yeah, man, there's so much player. new stuff. Dude, yeah. I saw, uh, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but I saw a drone for the first time, like in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at the, at the beach, uh, and, uh, there was a playground next to where I was staying. And this dude showed up with his kids, uh, promptly ignored his kids at the playground and started playing with this drone. Like a As real, like the real white mambo drone with like the controller with the iPhone on top of it, like and the, the quad, the quadcopter, uh, copter kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So and I've seen uh, there's a professor at Penn that's done some talks on it. This is you'll see. I mean, this is a this drone thing is freaking me out. Um, but he what I and I'd never seen one on person. Right. I've been doing a lot of research about it. Never seen one on person. This dude. I was like three blocks from the beach. We're in Ocean City, New Jersey. I'm on West Ave, mm-hmm. right? If you know anything about Ocean City, West Ave is like three blocks from the beach. Yeah. This dude sends this, this, uh, the, the, um, this drone, um, unmanned aerial vehicle is the official term for it, sends it up so high into the air that it just becomes like a pinpoint in the sky. And then he proceeds to send it uh, straight east. And it, I mean, he must have had it over the beach. Like, you maintain connection the entire time? I could barely see this thing. And that, that's what shocked me. And I don't think people realize the, the range on these things is incredible. And so you read these stories about these, like, farmers in Iowa that are shooting them down because they're over their property. And you think, like, wow, your neighbor, you just shot down your neighbor's drone. That's, that's real kind of a dick move yeah. but that neighbor could be like two miles down the road like not like you know you, you know yeah you don't need to be close by to be flying these things and invading privacy so that's off completely no, off that's topic yeah. you know what here's what we need to do there'd be right. drones involved okay there'd be so some drones involved idea. all right vr real world game designed beachfront done Okay. Yeah, someone send us money. I think I, you can get involved in that too. I can get on board with that. Yeah, so someone else out there who's got the money and producer, wants producer credit. Okay. I gotta get up. rid of my farmer's tan. My arms are tan, but then when we go off, Ooh, it gets, gets a little that gets, that gets brutal out yeah. there. Yeah. I'm, I'm in for Puerto Rico. Cool. Um, so as we kind of wrap up here, um, how do people get in touch with you? So the best way, um, the best way to get in touch with me is probably on Twitter. Um, I'm just at Little Wins, L-I-L-W-I-N-S, if you actually want to talk. Um, if you want to hit me up about work or projects, um, you can uh, send an email to, uh, I think it's info, I-N-F-O, at L-I-L-W-I-N-S dot com. And my website's just L-I-L-W-I-N-S, littlewins.com. You can see some work and uh, yeah, definitely get in touch. Cool. All right. 
So everyone out there, go check out Jason's work. Check him out. Hit him up on Twitter and uh, contact him for awesome contract work. Yeah. Go to his website. Do that. Do that. Do those things. Um, So this wraps up the... I keep... Every week I forget what number we're on. I should probably check, but I don't even care. I don't even care. Wrapping up the awesome podcast. Let's say... Bada bing, bada boom. You love it. You're going to listen to all the other ones before this one and all the other ones after that one. This is... Nick and Jason signing off. Let's go with it.